Hello once again, listeners. This is once again Hunter the MC, and you're listening to my segment on Mysteries Unknown, Behind the Mist. I have another special guest that I almost consider a friend. I consider him second to Mikey in regards to the Vibe Tribe Productions, both game master and player of the group. So allow me, with the honor, to introduce Chris, a.k.a. Papapapriku! <laughs> hey, how's it going, man? It's going good. Thank you for doing this. I'm glad we get to talk. So yeah, yeah, I've uh, yeah. After chatting for so long, uh, very very excited to chat with you. Yeah. So the first thing I always have people do when I get on here is just kind of give us a history of your of your history with TTRPGs. What's your experience with that? Yeah. So uh, I started playing TTRPGs back in college, uh, my freshman year. A uh, couple of my roommates picked up Dungeons and Dragons, uh, fifth, uh, sorry, three point five, and decided, hey, why don't we run a really small uh, campaign together? So we did. Uh, we got about a couple sessions in, and then everyone got busy with other stuff. So unfortunately, we never got really into it. But that really is what sparked the want to play more. Um, in college, I also got to play, uh, Call of Cthulhu, which was a whole heck of a lot of fun. Um, and then my first time we, I actually did a committed campaign, uh, we, it was again 3.5, uh, with a few friends, uh, back when I lived in Albany, uh, out in New York, uh, which, uh, is actually kind of what gave me inspiration for the Academy, um, so since then, uh, was kind of on and off with TTRPGs, depending on timing. And it wasn't until I moved out here and was working at my previous job that I really got into dungeon mastering, where uh, I got to introduce a few of my coworkers to D and D, and actually introduce them to, on how to play and how things go. And it just snowballed from there. I just was playing more. I got. Uh, when COVID hit, the all of the TTRPGs have started happening here on Discord, Zoom, and whatnot. And now I am almost as mad as Mikey. I'll never be as mad as Mikey, but almost as mad as Mikey with <laughs> with all the games that I'm playing and dungeon mastering. I actually just got back from uh, Chicago where I got asked to uh, DM a game for Chicago Mensa, mm -hmm. <laughs> which was a lot of fun. Uh, so I have no clue what Chicago Mensa is, so you'll have to explain mm -hmm. that one to me. So Mensa, yeah, this is the Chicago area of Mensa. Mensa is just a bunch of geniuses. <laughs> it, uh, let, me, let me look up real quick what the actual definition of is. Like, you need... You need to take an IQ test to get in. And they were offering IQ tests over the weekend. I was like, nope, not happening. Um, Mensa is the largest and oldest high IQ society in the world. Essentially, it's a bunch of smart people. So basically, they wanted you to, they wanted you to run a game for a bunch of high-level geniuses. Yeah. In a sense. Yep, which, yep, pretty much. And this was their uh, gathering of gamers. Uh, so it was all board games and tabletop games. So, 
uh, started a campaign, and I was like, you know what, y'all are smart. Started them off at level 15, and saw how it goes, and it was a blast, honestly. It was a lot of fun. The thing is, the funny thing with the puzzles, though, they immediately start overthinking it, <laughs> and, and end up getting it wrong. <laughs> so it was, it was interesting to see. I, uh, I like to think there was two people that not I don't mean this in a bad way. There's when you're running a game, there's two people you should watch out for. The D, the DM that's finally getting a chance to be a player and the super smart person that knows how to do everything in the game because they're the ones that will be able to argue and be able to do whatever they want. So <laughs> and and that's so funny. We had a quite a few of them were brand new to D&D and brand new to TTRPGs. So they didn't um they're very rules crunchy and heavy and I'm just like I play with the rule of cool. You come up with something. I'm going to say, sure, whatever. Go for it. <laughs> They're not like, used to that. I just picture like 10 Mike Rosses in a room just flipping through like the player's guy really quick. And they're like, okay, done. Let's play. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. Or as we as we go, which was a lot of fun explaining to them how things work and such. Um, so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing that. <laughs> Yeah, so I've mentioned it so many on here so many times in my history, but I always like to kind of bring it up with everyone because this is more than just an interview. I consider this like a conversation that I get mm -hmm. to have with some people that I've gotten to know in this community. So City of Mist was my first TTRPG I've ever gotten into. It's the only one I've played so far. I social found it out through social media at like the height of the pandemic, got into the Discord. No one was running the games, so I decided to run the games myself. And mm -hmm. then I ran a campaign before I started the podcast – and I was, and then after listening to Brendan Lee Mulgan do Clarity, that's what inspired me to be like, okay, yeah, I want to do a podcast now. If this is the kind of stuff that I can create with it, and so, and then my thing is, I've done a, I've done a couple like official cases with players, but my current thing I've been doing now is I'm taking D and D podcast groups and introducing them to City of Mist, doing special one shots with them. Awesome. So I have. I I'd be interested in that as well. I know Mikey's been running a City of Mist game. Um, last season that i wasn't on but that's definitely something i i would love to check out too oh yeah it's he's running the knights of pain town campaign which is also the official yep. city of mist like cole campaign it's like nine ten cases and i don't think he's bringing it back for season two but it, there's so much to it that he's i'm sure he's gonna bring it back at some point one way or another and oh 100 i plan to run that case too eventually i just gotta be able to get the players that's my thing is i have a hard time finding players sometimes and so, but I have all these podcasts I became friends with, and they're like, hey, you want to come on my show and do a one shot with this and learn this brand new system? And I've been enjoying it the few, uh, because let's see, so far I've done the Eldritch Buds podcast. I've done Death by a Thousand Crits. I got two more coming up with, uh, there's one called Swords and Sky Mommies, and it's an all female <laughs> group. It's an all female group that I've gotten to know them because I started following them. And then there's another one called Fireside Dice, and they do kind of a match of the gathering uh, center D D campaign, Ooh. which is really cool. Because instead of using the uh, instead of using like the alignment chart, they, they do like the personality alignment kind of based on the colors from the cards. Mm -hmm. It's how they describe people's personalities. And so I got another one, I'm playing one with them too as well. And so I'm kind of doing like mm -hmm. one big thing at a time basically a month and then i'm going to have like a, a couple cases kind of sessions going on here and there that won't take up as much time and so but yeah, yeah that's a lot of fun converging from that for a second so what got you into vibe tribe so uh blame everything on tiktok 
<laughs> um, during the pandemic, I started hopping onto TikTok, started making random videos. It was from there that I found the D&D community on there, started doing some random classic cosplay videos, uh, TikToks, and for a couple of my TikToks, uh, Mikey and I would end up uh, duetting each other, as well as a few others in the community, that we just grew to know each other. Next thing I know, um, Mikey asked if I wanted to be part of a, a podcast, actual play podcast. I was like, hell yeah. Um, I miss podcasting. I used to po just general podcast in the past. Um, but I was, I was really down for it. I was excited about it. Um, back then, when we first started, we only had two games. It was just going to be uh, uh, his current game that is still Call of the Deep. Call of the Deep, I was about to say, yeah. Yeah, it was Call of the Deep, and then my group was deciding on whether or not we wanted to do uh, uh, Legend of the Five Rings or Worldwide Wrestling. Lo and behold, that split into two groups. <laughs> two of my favorite shows on top of all that, too. So, Yep. And then next thing we know, we have more and more and more uh, uh, shows coming up. Uh, I mean, games coming on. It was it just snowballed into this gigantic thing. Um, and then uh, for a while, uh, I've had the Academy um, in my back pocket that I've been working on for years now. And I asked Mikey, hey, I think I'm ready to run this game would you mind if I ran it on Vibe Tribe? And he said yes. And next thing I know, I am losing sleep. <laughs> That's actually a in the best way in the best way possible. You yeah, and so you just made the perfect segue to what I wanted to ask about. So yeah, mm -hmm. so you are the game, the dungeon master slash game master for the academy, which is a combination of both the D twenty modern system, which is like the more modern day aspect. Mm -hmm. Of like using D and D mechanics, and then you actually take the fancy from Dungeons and Dragons and you merge the two into one. Mm -hmm. So, and you and you've told me this, you've had this for about five years, just kind of sitting in your back pocket. Mm -hmm. Just explain to me what started this concept of your homebrew world of the academy. What started all that? Yeah. So, um, g going back to one of my first games, uh, right out of college. Uh, that was also a D&D &D and D20 Modern crossover game. Uh, D, D20 Modern actually came out around the same, uh, a little bit after 3.5. And so it was based around the 3.5 mechanics. Uh, D20 Modern is also made by Wizards. In fact, many of the rules in D20 Modern or stat blocks and stuff literally say... Please consult the Dungeon Master's Guide or Player's Handbook and stuff. So you, this was meant to be played as a supplement to uh, to D and D. Now that we're in Fifth Edition, I got to do a little bit more work because stats of how things are played are completely changed. Um, gone are the days of. Whoa, sorry. <laughs> Amber alert! Uh <laughs> yeah, that I'm making sure my phone's on silent too. Now that you heard that, because usually yeah. if one phone gets it, every phone gets it. Now. <laughs> well, my phone, my phone is 
always on silent. So obviously, it's an Amber Alert, so it bypasses it. Yeah, government um, stuff always bypasses everything, unfortunately. Exactly. Actually, <laughs> th this one was a silver alert, so an old person. Uh. <laughs> um. So anyway, uh, yeah, gone are the days of fortitude saves and that things like that. I have to fudge some numbers, change some of the items. So it actually kind of tested my homebrew skills as well in terms of making it all fit. Um, I've always been a fan of modern day setting campaigns for a while. Um, I, I do like the high fantasy, but sometimes I... Uh, I, I would prefer modern day. That's also kind of why I love uh, Spelljammer or the Eberron settings. The, uh, those uh, are the kind that I really, really enjoy doing. So bringing this into the modern world, it's really interesting to see how magic works. If we all had these abilities, how would we meld them into our everyday lives? Are they part of our jobs? Uh, I think I mentioned in one of the first episodes is that at, like, one of the big fighting tournaments, they have healers, uh, they have clerics and paladins and whatnot all uh, at the ready to do healing. So they could be a little bit more brutal. We could go back to the Colosseum days and not worry about people dying, hmm. hopefully. Uh <laughs> So, yeah, that's what really inspired me, is just that curiosity of that, and then uh, bringing it into a modern setting. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, so kind of go into a little more into that setting. So when, mm -hmm. we, when we go into the story of the Academy, what is happening in this world? Where is everything taking place? So the setting of the, of, uh, the Academy is taking place in um, what is currently modern-day Earth. So you are seeing places like um, Chicago, Houston, Portland, Seattle um, for the U.S. Uh, the next place they're going, they're going to be going to, and I don't mind talking about this. Uh, they're going to be going to Australia. They're going to Japan. They're going to be going to um, Germany. Um, actually, one of the characters has their character from Germany. Um, that German accent, which I wish... German mortician that Adolfo plays. Yes. Yes. And it is so funny because, um, it, I wish it was a video podcast. Cause he'll, as soon as he puts on the glasses, he completely changes character. And it's just like, Oh my God, I've been waiting for this all week. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, okay, Hans, go and grab that book there. Uh, no Hans. No, not that one. The other one. No, that's not the book at all. What are you doing? <laughs> Adolfo is one of my favorite people. I love the improv that he could give. I love the work that he does. And it really and that's one of the things I love about running this game is that I love let people take things where they want and I just play off of that. Um uh but essentially this world technically takes place in the far future. Um, essentially, there was an event called the Great Awakening, where the great dragons that have been slumbering underneath our Earth, uh, completely unknown, uh, awoke and brought magic and everything back to our realm. Um, you know, I just realized that sounds a lot like how Skyrim starts off with the Return oh. of the Dragons. 
it, it pretty much is. It, it, I, and I'm obsessed I'm with dragons. You, I love dragons. I'm not dogging you for it at all. I just that thought just immediately popped in my head when you said it like that. I'm like, wait a minute, because I just started playing Skyrim again. Because uh, once again, I got tired of one character, so I made a brand new <laughs> one to play. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Just like, just like my notebook of all the different D and D characters I've been building over the years. <laughs> Same with the City of Mist that I have artwork created for, and I still have yet to play them. So, <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so with this awakening, it did cause a lot of destruction, especially with people trying to figure out what it, the hell is going on. Folks using the pow their newfound powers for good versus evil. Um. There was mutations that have occurred, which brought about the races we see now, the elves, dwarves, etc. Um, so, uh, over the past, over some time, things began to settle down, and folks got back to their normal life. However, at this point, it's uh, $4.99 in this new age, and um, it's pretty much modern-day 2022 if you were to compare it just with magic, it just, it basically regressed and then is slowly making its way back up to where it was. Was it part of, was it part of the story was like part of the US like got destroyed when this like calamity happened? Oh, I thought. Uh, not exactly, but there's been a lot of changes to the US in terms of. I may have destroyed Florida, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna think too, like a lot of lines got changed. There was like new Texas yeah. or something like that. Yeah, kinda. Um, I think uh, Kentucky and Tennessee merged into one state. Uh, the New England states are now just one state called New England, except for Boston. Boston seceded and became their own, own state because Boston. Boston <laughs> yes, that makes yeah. sense. Things, things like that did happen. The Dakotas are, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota are just the Dakotas now. So things like that um, happened. There also was a bunch of climate changes. Uh, for example, um, Las Vegas has to live basically in a protection bubble because the um, in Nevada there's a whole bunch of necrotic energy surrounding it. Yeah, um, I would I would assume that dragons would like fast forward climate change by like two thousand percent with their breath attacks that they have. Oh yeah, uh, Minnesota is the frozen north. It is it is it is beyond the wall. <laughs> that immediately made me think of the white walkers from game of thrones yeah, it, it exactly <laughs> is that it exactly is that so um so there has been a lot of changes to these lands and to these uh places that we known previously and it's really cool like i a lot of that first stuff i came up with on the spot <laughs> yeah so and so yeah. I didn't realize that because I thought it because since you it, the game the campaign started in America I thought this was like going to be just all the U.S. and this is the first time I'm like hearing about oh yeah there's Australia there's Japan mm -hmm. and okay and so the creators of City of Mist and Evoke Studios they're mm -hmm. in the process of releasing another game called Tokyo Otherscape which mm. follows kind of like the same process of the themes but now introduces cyberpunk. Oh boy! The idea of <laughs> cybernetics instead of like the mist. There's the noise. So basically, oh. like, so like the mythos powers are out in the open, but because there's all this noise going on, no one really cares. Mm -hmm. So, there, so you got you have the noise, you have the cybernetics, and then you have like the human side. So there's like three different themes you can create characters from, and that's how I'm 
kind of seeing like how this Japan is going to be kind of similar to. It's like a very magical slash high tech Japan. Oh I think yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So because that's what oh yeah t- the Tokyo Otherscape game is kind of supposed is basically supposed to be because you have like you have like a uh, yo you have like yokai frogs you got mm-hmm. like you got like uh cybernetic demons and all that so and like you have god you have gods that are embodying tanks like yeah the, uh, i forget the ones that has the one that has all the arms like azuna i think they call her mm-hmm. it's like it's literally that it's literally the, the manifestation of that god is just hovering over this tank for yeah. a picture so <laughs> so there is a uh homebrew book i found that i absolutely love called the technomancer's textbook it has a bunch of uh new subclasses uh new spells rules for sentient vehicles and um ai um one of it they're big uh high uh challenge rating uh monsters is called the techno horror um there are a lot of stuff and it actually was really cool because i'm kind of gonna in a different part of this i'm gonna make this kind of a change but radiant damage instead of being like light it's radiation it's (laughs) it it, it completely changes how that is going from such a good thing to god awful (laughs) Yeah, so it's just interesting just hearing this because I think that's one of the really cool things that really got me in, like listening more of the academy was just this world that you created mm-hmm. where it's like magic and technology are coexisting, which is really cool. Which is actually kind of similar to a game, a uh, homebrew setting I'm working on. So I was kind of inspired by yours, and then just looking at the world building and TPRGs in general, I'm creating a homebrew setting for it's a game called Black Paper Moon that was created by Vindicated Entertainment. Okay. And it's basically it's basically kind of like if you took Ruby and Soul Eater and made it into oh. like a high fantasy setting. And so, <laughs> that, and so, what I did was I took a map of the United States, just no state lines, just a, the basic outline of the U.S. I flipped it upside down, mm-hmm. and then I just randomly took lines and kind of said, "Okay, here's one region, here's another. I'm going to split it down here. Have these two weird regions over here." And then I'm just kind of creating my own world. And then I made like a giant list of just because my idea is is so it was just the age of man, and mm-hmm. then this mat this event happens where magic enters, and this magic changed a lot of these men into like the races and species they become. So mm. it's just so I got this whole list. So like there's the Dracolings, which are this game's version of I made of the like the Dragonborns. You have the uh, like the Lizardfolk and the Malia, which are like basically any mammal race that you could think of that's the mammalias and then you mm-hmm. have of course your orcs your elves your dwarfs and all that and they're all going to be in different areas depending on the region and what they do like i have mm-hmm. lizard folk i have lizard folk and fish folk and they're going to be like like the the seaside areas of like a lot of these regions oh yeah yeah Cause yeah because they'll, they'll contribute a lot to like the the uh the seafood economy kind of aspect of this world that yes. i'm making so and then, yeah. of course, like I got the Draco Lings, which are this version. This is the the Cobold version of, of Black <laughs> Paper Moon that I made. So the Draco Folk and the Draco Lings. So, oh, fantastic! Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is yeah. That sounds like it's gonna be a fantastic time. Yeah, and it's a very uh, it's a it's a D six system too. It's not like Power mm-hmm. of the Apocalypse. The he the this guy you made it with using it's a dice tower mechanic. Ooh. 
So basically, you have to like you have to try to. So basically, if you like fail a move, or something you have to like stack up so many dice, and then if you get like a low roller over and you knock it off, it's like a fail. But if you get like the oh, 12th, if you get like to the twelfth or thirteenth dice, you get to basically just break the system and do what you want. So. Oh, that's awesome. It, it, that almost reminds me of uh, Dread. I I feel like I've heard of that, but I'm not sure what that is. So. Um, it's essentially... Um, it's a role-playing, storytelling game. There's not much in terms of dice rolling or anything like that. Well, there is dice rolling. I should, I should back up on there. But if you fail, you, it's, there is this Jenga tower... And if you fail, you have to pull one of the blocks. If the tower topples, you die. I saw the Geeks of Century when Will was doing yeah, yeah, tabletop yep, yep. thing that they did the similar deal too. Yes, so. that's that that's dread. <laughs> that that is dread. It is one of my favorites. Okay, so besides being the game master for the academy, so I know you mm-hmm. were a player for Furusato. Were you a player in any of the other games? I was also a player in Worldwide in uh, Friday Night Fights. All right, and remind me which who you were in that game. I was uh, the Umbral Talon, uh, also known as Umbra. Nice. Yeah. And no, I'm thinking actual. I get actual and Umbra confused when it comes to like, <laughs> the personalities and stuff. So yeah. So <laughs> so I was the uh, provocateur character. So the weirdo, the the super bendy, all over the place person that is, has a kind of a mean streak now. Yeah, and so, so when it, so which is there like one that you prefer or the other? Do you prefer like being a GM over a player, a player over GM, or do you kind of see them both as kind of equal when it comes to enjoyment? You know, it's it's interesting because the more I've been GMing and the more I've been uh running games i've actually been enjoying gming a lot more um i doesn't mean i don't like playing i love playing in games but when it comes to gming it i enjoy giving an experience to my players i enjoy telling stories i enjoy it's as much as as much of a show for me too just sitting there and watching things unfold like again i wish i had a face cam for academy um, but, uh, my reactions are just like, oh my god, sometimes. <laughs> it's, it, it even shocks me. It's fantastic. I, I, so I've really enjoyed doing that. Yeah, so my very first game I ever ran as a, a any sort of GM was a City of Mist, and it was a homebrew, uh, horror-based campaign. Ooh. And what I did was, so in this, so... In City Mist, there's, it's just a city shrouded in a purple mist that hides basically the superstitious and the paranormal. That's how mm-hmm. I always describe it, where gods and monsters exist in reality. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was, in my campaign for this, uh, children have been going missing for years, and no one knows why. Mm-hmm. And what I had was, I just had these players like just doing their normal lives, and all of a sudden they're pulled into this new world that they were just kind of didn't know about. So I had a horror cabal basically existing in this city, being mm-hmm. it was be, it was being led by the Slender Man. Oh and no! It, uh, because because the disappearing of the kids, so that I fit that perfectly with that. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. his under, his underlings were a reskinned version of Lady Demetrescu from Resident Evil Eight. I did a uh, the Jigsaw Puppet who had a pet Wendigo. Oh no! <laughs> I, 
I took I combined Golden Freddy and Willy Wonka into one character, where I made where I created like a purple and gold uh, palette aspect of Willy Wonka, where he had all these different cybernetics, mm-hmm. and he's this big old toy maker, and that's why he's mm-hmm. still for the city. He's a toy maker, but of course, if you know the Five Nights at Freddy lore, all these kids got killed for the process of trying to figure out all these animatronics. Oh yeah, that's a Freddy lore, and then I also kind of threw in some other kind of side monsters. Like, the very first boss, the very first monster they fought in my game was the mm-hmm. Siren Head in the Slender Man <gasps> footrest. Oh, lordy. You know, you know what that's then, giving me? An, the, you know what that's giving me an idea about is just going into uh, uh, SCP and, uh, and, just, and just randomly grabbing stuff from there and throwing them in. There are SCP TTRPGs out there. Yes! And so oh. I'm really wanting to do it because I'm, I'm really – what I want to do is I want to do a case that revolves around the Broken God SCP because mm-hmm. I like the aspect of that one just so cool. And then I also – as kind of like a fun side quest deal, I threw in the False Hydra as like mm-hmm. a monster for them to fight in one of the many districts that City of Mist provides. So they had so at one point it's like uh oh, the Slenderman's like oh no these guys are getting on me I need to fix this he releases the false Hydra onto the city and starts oh no and of course you know the false Hydra when people disappear it basically erases them from existence but then I was have I had to mechanically they were able to kind of regain those memories and it's mm-hmm. just kind of like what the heck's going on and so yeah <laughs> oh lordy oh, yeah that and- sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, and then I also threw in some Blair Witch vibes, too, because in order for them to access the mines from the Slenderman game to get to the Slenderman, they had to go through the Blackwoods Forest and be on the way of the tree demons from the Blair Witch game. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> I, like, that's, actually, I've been, that, oh, that sounds perfect, because I've been looking up, I've been trying to find, I want to do a Halloween special for the Vibe Tribe, and I've been looking oh. up Halloween TTRPGs to play um, for a Halloween special. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you have, but you need, you definitely listen to my Halloween special I did with the Eldritch Buds. I, uh, had, them, I had them play as like uh, teenage trick-or-treaters on their last year for trick-or-treating, and they fought, whole, they fought old-school horror movie monsters. So Ooh. it was Dracula, the werewolf, the mummy, and the creature from the Black Lagoon. Okay. Okay. So, and basically, I had these four monsters. They were like like young punk teenager, like jean jacket-like punks called Ooh. the Laughing Jacks. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, it was. And so they so they had a blast. They were really good. With, they created their own characters for this one, so that was really fun. And then, oh, do you want to hear the cliffhanger that I left my horror campaign on? Sure, yeah, go for it. So I had an NPC that was a gatekeeper that was helping them from the sidelines the entire time. Mm-hmm. And I end it with the... Because the NPC gatekeeper is also looking for his son as well. And that's part of the reason why he's helping them. Okay. And the cliffhanger I ended on, because I eventually did want to make like a second kind of sequel to it, mm-hmm. was he goes into this... He's following this very foggy road... And as he's walking by, it pants out, and there's a sign that says, Welcome to Silent Hill. Ah! Had this whole idea with the Candyman and Bloody Mary with, like, a world of mirrors. Oh, God. To that too, so. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's insane. Oh, my God, that's so much fun. 
Yeah, that's that one of the reasons so I like fun. being an MC, just because I like to, because, so I have no issue sharing this. I have autism, mm-hmm. and so I've talked about this many times. I was actually on one podcast. It's called Dungeons, Dragons, and Psychology, and the, and that's really cool. And I was actually on one of those episodes when he started out, and we talked mm-hmm. about, and basically the psychology part was we talking about autism being kind of a role-playing superpower, as he calls it. <laughs> and I explained it like, with me, my it, because I think in pictures, not in words, I have this world I can just easily create just by looking mm-hmm. at things. And oh, so yeah. It, and so that's kind of how I always viewed it. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, I love yeah. I love all that. Yeah, and then when it comes to character creations, I don't restrict my players to be like, oh, you can mm-hmm. only be like certain mythologies or certain gods. If you want to take, yeah. like, take Superman from a comic book and make that work as a character, go ahead yeah. and do it. Like, literally, my gatekeeper NPC I had had the Leviathan axe from God of War. That was part of his thing. He had that mm, axe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then okay. pop culture has really inspired me. So my two new characters I had, I I had the Death Wolf from the new Puss in Boots movie. I, oh! recre- I recreated him as the Rift of Fenrir because, because Fenrir's whole thing was to bring about the end with Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His design is loosely based is based is majorly based around Big B from the Wolf Among Us game, as well. Nice. Oh. And then, then, so I absolutely love Harley Quinn. I the Mm -hmm. show re sparked my imagination. And then Spotify did a podcast that looked at the relationship between Harley Quinn and Joker from a whole new perspective, Mm -hmm. where Harley Quinn was the one kind of taking advantage of him instead of the other way around. It's called. I'll, I'll, I'll save you the link later. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. You have to listen to it. But I, so I created, I created a, so she's a female pimp with the rift of the carny, with the rift of the carny clown. Okay. Because this actually, the carny clown is a actual superpower subset. If you look on like uh, superpower forums. Okay. And okay. The thing what I did was, was I, I made her Hispanic because when I was working on her design, when I was like working with the artist on her design, this mental image popped in my head of Harley Quinn cursing in Spanish as she's swinging her hammer around. Oh my god, that sounds so good. Yeah. So basically, could the, the her service, if she I've ever used her as an NPC, is she's kind of like the one with like the need to know knowledge about like the underground mm-hmm. of the city. Yes. So this, and if they piss her off, then yeah, she's got the hammer. So yeah, she's got the hammer. She's gonna smush you. Yeah. Oh, that is so good. I yeah, love I, it. I love it. Yeah, and then uh, I've only played one game since ever since I started. It was a City of Mist game, and my character was one I've had sitting in my back pocket for a while. And he's a high school student who's the rift of Joseph from the Bible, and so one yeah. of his, and so he has a relic that's the coat of many colors, and he has divination dream powers as well. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, and so he has okay. divina- he has the divination dream powers because in the Bible he gets dreams from yep. God, and then I use the coat of many colors as like oh it's like spiritual protection from like various things. Yep. So yep, yep, yep. And then oh, another- I'm sorry, I I love no 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 no, no, no. this so. is so good. It, no, it is so good, and I and that's something that I love, and, and like I don't like putting this uh, uh, restrictions on folks. With the Academy, I did have to restrict Dragonborn, but that was only because it's uh, tied into the story. I mean, um, yeah, of course. It always depends on what kind of game you're playing in that, too. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but 
Oh man, I love seeing yeah. the passion for the characters that f people make and everything. It's so good. And okay, so one of the first characters I had artwork made for. So this was about the time that the new Kingsman movie prequel movie came out, and the mm -hmm. main bad guy was Rasputin. And yep. then my favorite song, my this is one of my favorite songs, was a cover of "Into the Dark of the Night" by Jonathan Young from the Anastasia movie. Nice. And so I created a character who's the rift of it's a combination of both the in real life Rasputin and the movie Rasputin. Woo. So, and you know, so the real life Rasputin, he has a theme that basically it's like, he can't die. He has like this spiritual yeah. kind of healing to him. And then he has the relic from the Rasputin from the movie that he can like summon demons and stuff with. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's cool. And, it, it, and what's it, really it, funny was yeah. I used him in my, as an NPC in my horror campaign and I made the lady, Dem the lady Demetrescu reskin his ex-wife. I love it. Like this is this is the creativity I love. This is why I love doing this. I love seeing <laughs> folks just go with things and have fun with it. Um uh one of the next games that I'm DMing that will be coming to Vibe Tribe soon is uh the Crystal City. And one of the players on it was super happy uh to bring a paladin character that he's had brewing for quite a while and finally getting a chance to play it. And it's a chef. That's the one you're chef using. Of... Uh, that's what you're using Radiant of the Citadel for, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Mikey talked about that one on his interview too, so that's why I was like, "Wait, that's what he's using Radiant of the Citadel for." Yeah. So I know a few of these games you're talking about for this next season. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And he was just super, super excited to bring it out and having this whole boisterous thing with his character. I can't wait for you all to hear it and. That's what I love to give my players, uh, and I love I, I love seeing that myself. Yeah. So this one is definitely one I want to talk about because all right. you all know this is I so Fuasato hands down was one of my favorite shows put out by the Vibe Tribe. I want to ask you this though because it's kind of been mentioned here and there, but not much details. So when Mikey told you all that I had put Furusato on my top ten plus one list of uh, Let's Play podcast for twenty twenty two. What was kind of like the reaction of everyone in that room when Mikey told y'all that? Complete shock. Complete shock. You should have seen everybody just like, oh, what? Like, and immediately go to their phones and start looking it up and everything. Like, we were, we were excited and shocked. So, seeing that, see, seeing that, it's like, you never know how many people are really watching or listening and, and what folks think. And so, when you see something like that, it always catches you off guard. And it was, it was a, a very much del delight to see. Yeah, but I just think it's funny that you all made it sound like, oh, I'm like this big shot in the community when, like, I have, like, I may, I think I have close to maybe 900 followers now. I've only been mm. around since, like, August of last year because that was when I started, like, preparing for everything. But it's like, I don't consider myself, like, a big name or anything. I'm just a guy who wants to play games and enjoys listening to other people's games as well. So the fact that y'all treat me like this blows me away, too, so <laughs> a little bit, so. Yeah, it was, it was essentially sitting there and just thinking... Um, just knowing that there is somebody out there who, who enjoyed us enough to do that, like, like, for all we know, we could be talking out into the ether and no one hearing us at all. But this was one of those, one of those like shocking moments, those cool shock moments of, oh, 
there's somebody listening, and they really like it. This is awesome. <laughs> so, the quote that I told Mikey that I heard was, usually when one person writes in about it, there's usually a hundred others that feel the same way that never will. So, yeah. if I'm listening to it, of course there's gotta be others that enjoy just as much as I do, but just won't oh, take 100%. the time to say anything. Because, like Mikey, I'm sure Mikey told y'all, like, all of the shows, because I've listened to all your guys' stuff. And I've just I when I'm listening to like the newest episode, I, if it's good, I'll do like a play by play like reaction of like what's going on in that moment. Oh, that's or awesome! How I'm feeling and all that. Yeah, that's that's awesome to hear. Like I I I and 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 that's that's what keeps us going. That's what makes us yeah. enjoy doing these things and telling because it was right. It was right after I did that, putting you guys on my top ten plus one list that you reached out to me for the first yeah. time. Yeah, that's the first time we got to start talking. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I, I, I messaged you to thank you for that. But uh yeah. no, that was just so cool. Um Yeah, and to tell you to stop making me feel single. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like I said, I'm also single. So having having to do that part without having actually complete yeah having one relationship that w- that was really, really bad was just uh, it, it was an experiment for me. So I was like, and many times I was like, oh, I wish this was real. <laughs> so, okay, so when I, when I, like, when it, when Friday came around for the fireside chat to drop, I was refreshing my Spotify over and over again because I was so badly wanted to listen to that to hear y'all's thoughts. Like, he warned me ahead it was going to be short because you did this, like, you did, like, the last three episodes in, like, the same day Mikey told me. Oh, yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. The fireside chat was short, but it was still good for it being how short it was. Mm-hmm. There was a question that I, f- I forget if he asked or if one of the players asked, but the question was asked, when did the like the story change for you? And that hit me because I started thinking about it, and it, it literally was that scene where you and Will as Kaito and Mio did that, and there was in, in the podcast, there's literally a music, a literal music changer that happens. And when I thought I about it, I was like, everything starts happening. I'm just like, oh, oh shit, this is happening. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's interesting with Furusato because I remember Mikey going into that, uh, wanting it to be more of a, of a little bit more dramatic, a little bit more serious than it turned out to be. Where we turned it into a high school, uh, uh, slice of life anime. <laughs> And it was really interesting to see that change, and we just rolled with it. We were enjoying ourselves, and obviously Mikey had no issues with it. Um, it was funny because me, uh, uh, Will, who was playing Mio at the time, uh, reached out to Mikey about wanting to do this, and then Mikey reached out to me, and without a second thought, I was like, "Hell yeah, let's do this!" It's it, it, it's something i never got a chance to ever had a chance to do in a um in a campaign um will and i are both theater people so uh, we're like yep i think we could do this i think and so we went for it and it just like i said i wish there was a face cam because you would have seen the tears you could probably hear them but you should have seen the tears so i this is how i explained it with that happened with mikey was i I was at work listening to these episodes because I work 10-hour shifts, 
I just do, I'm just by myself usually, so I just plug in the earphone and I listen. And within mm-hmm. the day that, I think the day that episode dropped, and I'm listening to it, when it hits that scene, I just freeze. And I'm just listening to everything going, and I'm actually am crying <laughs> when this is happening. Because I'm just like, it's so powerful, and yeah, you there's a between listening to when someone's role-playing, and then feeling when someone's role-playing. Yeah. Like... Like, if, like, even though you guys were just putting on a show, it's, like, it felt like y'all were, like, really actually doing it. And just, that's made it just that much more powerful. And then we hear from Mikhail. As a gay man. As a gay man dating multiple men. This has got to be the gayest thing I've ever seen. Yes! (laughs) And I will never let that down as long as I live. Because I go from crying to... Falling to the floor, laughing hysterically. Oh yeah, like we did too. I was, I was like, I was, I almost, I, I almost was like, did you expect anything different from the two gay, uh, lesbians? <laughs> well, I think what was funny was because the majority of you are open about your sexuality, and so Mikhail has stated that he is also a gay man. So the fact that yep. it was a gay man saying that line just made yes, it that much more yes. hysterical. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It, it it was just fantastic. It's 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 just wonderful. It's just wonderful to do, and uh, I, I I loved exploring that, and I loved that so. scene, and I loved what we created with it. Even though even the random, I get pissed. Like I think it was when we were Neo, uh, myself, and uh, Himiki. Himiko. Were, Himiko, yes, were uh, locked in the cell, and I got really mad at Himiko's father. And Will just goes, "I want to make out with you so hard right now." And I'm like, <laughs> "Yes, yes." Just- I told, I told Mikey if I had character that scene, I would have been like, "Hold me back, hold me back." Oh, you have no idea. I was ready. I was ready for something. I was like, keep your composure. Keep your composure. I was chucking things at where I was worried because I was so mad at this. Oh, he created. Oh, my God. You have no idea. The fan scene that was really like, oh, oh. Yeah. yeah, and <laughs> we're 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 talking about what's next for it, and I can't wait to see what's next for it because we're there's no doubt there will be a continuation to that story at some point, but I can't wait. Yeah, y'all left it on such a cliffhanger with the joining the newest Emerald Warriors kind of like personal army kind of deal. Oh yeah. Also, and who so- uh uh who uh Mikkel's new character is gonna be? Oh yeah, that that mysterious... was fun too. So. Ikigai guy was fantastic, and then he went all murderbot on us. <laughs> I he cut off that kid's hand. I thought he was gonna go for the head at first because it wasn't upright at first, and then I'm like, okay, whoo, just a hand, good, just a hand. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, good, just a hand. Holy fuck, did the hand! <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic. I love and, it. I love it so much. Oh, and Adolfo as Shodai was also so memorable. When you talk <sighs> about the anime moments in there, I think Shodai. Shodai. The pulling of the food out of his kimono at random times, the mud bath scene from the beginning of the series. Honestly, Shodai, like, I, I know a lot of, I know you said that it was the moment when uh, the scene between me and Mio uh, was what 
what changed the story for us. My story, the the vibe of the game changed when sh- when uh when sh- uh, Shodai was introduced. When when he went all goofball, like moment one, I was like, yeah. "Yep, this is happening." Okay, I am gonna love this, and I did. It was a fantastic time. Yeah. Well, my thing is, was even though that was kind of when, like, the mood of the story, like, changed for me, it made me look back on everything else so much more differently yeah. from that point going forward with everything that happened. Because it went from, oh, we're going to pass these trials and become samurai! And then it just goes off the deep end with the depth and the emotion. And, uh. just, and it just connected with me so much. And, like, you and I spent a good chunk talking about that alone in regards to relationships because when i was thinking about it after the fireside chat even more mm. i was think i was I immediately went to the last the fest the what the festival that happened in like one of the last episodes yes oh my god here's the scene that sticks out with me when he when kaito shows mio like how he does his favorite ramen and so I immediately think I immediately start thinking about like the five love languages, and mine personally are uh, physical touch, uh, verbal affirmation. Those are like my top mm. two for me when it comes to love languages. But yes. I also sometimes like if I love someone enough, I don't expect it to be interested in what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But if they like show like, oh, this is really cool. I'm glad you enjoy doing stuff like this. Just bringing them into your world, like showing them like your favorite thing, like Kaito did in that scene with Mio. That one really kind of struck a chord for me, too. <laughs> just think about... Because, like I said, I know how I want to be treated in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And I've been through so many over the years. And unfortunately, I'm a single father. My I did the, my son's mom is unfortunately not in his life. But he has me and my parents who kind of mm. fill in kind of for some of that where that empty space is. But it's like I just really haven't found that right one just because it's all crazy out here with these days, but it's like, it's like I'm alone, but I'm not lonely though. So that's why exactly. I'm... And but... I, I think I, I, I am right there with you. Like I said, I, I, despite what you heard, I am single. So, but yeah. I, I am alone, but I'm not lonely. I, I have yeah. such a supporting group, of such a supporting chosen family around me. Um, I've got my D&D family, I got the Vibe Tribe, I have so, so much around me that I won't ever be alone. Yeah, so, oh, I could just go off forever talking about Furusato, it was so <laughs> good. And I'm just glad! The act, the, the role-playing slash acting on your guys' part, like I told Mikey, trumps any Hollywood celebrity. <laughs> and, my, and if it was like an act, if you were to make this like an actual movie, I would be like, and the Oscar goes to! Mm-hmm. Just because it was that deep and it's really good. It inspired me. I got a copy of Legend of the Five Rings and I'm going to run my own campaign. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to have it set in a post apocalyptic world. And it's just a misfit. Basically, think of like Walking Dead without all the zombies. And it's going to be like a post apocalyptic world. And it's this mis ragtag group of samurai trying to travel mm-hmm. from one place to another, trying to find like the city that everyone says is still good and still runs despite. The, everything falling apart around them so mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's why awesome. i want to do a legend of the five rings so it's so much fun it's such a fun thing yeah so i'm curious actually now that i think about it, because when i was talking to mikey when that because i actually started thinking about like if i was a character in the story how would i play it 
And I'm mm-hmm. so when I was looking, kind of, I was just glancing over the, all the clans. I my eyes immediately landed on the Dragon Clan because mm-hmm. am I? And it's funny, like how many when you come up with the characters, just how much of yourself you end up putting into it without realizing. Oh, sometimes. Yeah. And so this Dragon Clan was this Dragon Clan warrior seemed to be warrior would have been like he's got all these anger issues because he feels like mm-hmm. his life is unfair because of everything going on. And he's just got this fiery personality where it's like he just doesn't care. He he, and it's like like he doesn't like totally agree with the whole like keeping the honor thing. It's like he has his honor to himself. He doesn't care what everyone else thinks, kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's kind of like those things where it's like, and I was thinking about it, and of course he would become friends with samurai with all you guys, which would make him soften up. And then I'm thinking about that that final scene with the paper lanterns, which was also just so beautiful. Yeah, and if, I'm thinking my character he be in a boat by himself, mm-hmm. and for that moment, there's no anger, there's no pain, it's just peace and serenity, and that's when he kind of sends out that lantern too for that moment. So, oh, that that is beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah I wanted. Like, we both, I wanted to, I just know Kaito would want to share that moment with Mio as well. And that's why I was, I asked if we can go together, um, which was, which was fantastic. And, and I wanted to dedicate that to my grandmother who, who passed because with me and with me and Mio, with and me and more specifically myself and Will, when we were creating that scene, uh, with being so open about our relationship in the game, uh, it took me back to who was my biggest supporter when I was growing up, and who I wish I wish I was able to come out to her. I never had the chance to. But I know she's one of the ones that would have championed me, that would have been happy. She would be the one that would be calling me up and asking me if I found a good boyfriend yet. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I wanted to dedicate it to her at that moment. But I was also going to bring up, but when you get to the epilogues uh, episode of the story, that was also really cool because Mio actually came out to his grandfather yes. about his love for Kaito. And his grandfather encouraged him to be the one to pursue that. Yeah, I I was, was also, but what it was also funny because it's from, it felt like from the get go it was going to be Himiko and Mio at first because it kept, it gave off that kind of friends to lovers kind of vibe at first, mm-hmm. and they all twisted it on its head, which I'm like, okay, this is okay too. I love this. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, so so how it actually started out uh, more so is, and one of the reasons why we brought uh, Himiko into it as this uh, at this point. Um, Mio and I, actually, I should say specifically, Mike Kaito was supposed to be in service to Himiko. Mm. Um, so that was one of the big, big things with our characters. Um, with Mio be also being part of the Phoenix Clan, we've just grown into this relationship between the three of us. We've always, uh, the story was that we were always friends together with the three of us. I think, uh, but in, then. Things just happened. 
Yeah. And it was also funny because it was you and Will that jumped the gun on that scene, and Mikey was going to wait until later, and then y'all decided, okay, we're going head first into this now. It it was so, like, I wasn't sure when this was going to happen. And in that moment where we were together, I was just like, okay, this got to happen now. Was it just like one of those things where you kind of were just like mentally in agreement, like this is the moment for that kind of deal? Where it's like you could, you didn't have to say anything. You both just knew this was that moment. Well, at, at first, I'll say this, and I don't think I mentioned this before. At that, when we when we were left in that room together, I thought that was supposed to be the moment. <laughs> at first, so, and then and then we started, and I was like, okay, maybe this isn't the moment. And then as we were talking, things just progressed, and we're like, no, this is the moment. We're making it this, we're making this the moment. (laughs) 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 And get all sappy, and it just worked. I think it just worked there. But here's the, it wasn't sappy at all, in my opinion. It was just pure raw emotion and love and care and that's and i'm just and that was kind of one of the things why i said like why you make me single because i'm like why can't i have that (laughs) and again i'm like but i want this it's like i'm getting more joy from the game than real life (laughs) yes (laughs) oh yeah but no it's all it's all a good fun we we really enjoy doing that scene and we hope we hope it gives I, I want to say, I hope it gives some sort of, um, <sighs> encouragement to everyone out there that you can find, uh, you, you may find that person in the oddest of places, honestly. You may not know until you're not going to know until it happens. And it was one of those moments where right in that moment, it just felt right. And it just encouraged. I want to encourage folks to don't fret too much about it. I know you may have parents begging you to find somebody to settle down with and all that stuff. No, go at your own pace because honestly, don't settle. I'm the kind of person that hates, hates it. Uh, don't settle. Find the person right for you. And they are out there, and they will come. It may take a while, but they will come. And you know what? I, and I hate to put it this way. There might not be somebody for you. Like, if I were not to find my other half, it, I think at this point in my life, I'd be fine with it. I have so many people around me that still give me that kind of love that I want um, without needing to be in a relationship with them. And that's what... I want to folks that I, yeah, just some words of random rambling advice from me. <laughs> so, first off, I love how we went from tabletop RPGs to sharing our therapy sessions with each other. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I mean, like, oh god, I need to find the the person on TikTok who's actually doing her her PhD, her psychology PhD doing an experiment on how uh D could be used for therapy. That's basically what the Dungeons Dragons Psychology podcast kinda does yes. too. Because they go into like mental they've talked to like some people I'm friends with. They talk to them about like mental health, new games and all that. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing I was gonna bring up was I know like a main sentiment that y'all share in the fireside chat about when this when the relationship between Kaito and Mio was happening was kinda like 
are we doing this right? Is this the correct way we should be doing this? Yeah. Because I know Mikey was like, he was afraid that it wasn't going to be portrayed the right way because he had a hard time with relationships. And I know some of the others were like, we didn't want to portray this wrong. I've only done like a kind of quote unquote relationship one time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was in that same horror campaign where they had to infiltrate mm-hmm. this. They infiltrate a nightclub under uh, the goth poppet, as I call it, because I parody places in my world. So, nice. so instead of Taco Bell, it's burrito chime. Instead of hot topic, it's goth poppet. <laughs> then Starbucks is Sun Dollar. Oh, I love it. And so I they, love it. So they went into this underground uh, club under the goth poppet, and mm-hmm. one of the players to get to figure out where like the bosses that they had to talk to and all that to figure out what's mm-hmm. going on. He goes up to this centaur girl that's the bartender, and he rolled so well that comedically she just became head over heels for him, and it became this running joke where she wants to go out with him because of how well he succeeded in his role. And then mm-hmm. of course it went to the running joke. It became the running joke of I'm going to fuck this horse. <laughs> Because she's a centaur, so. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Oh so, god. <laughs> but <sighs> yeah, I know. But I think y'all pulled that, did that so well, despite any worries y'all may have had about it. It just came yeah. off so well. It's 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 always a worry because um, growing up, we've seen how. LGBT characters are p- portrayed like they're either a chill character. It's it's just never done. It, it's barely ever done right, and it's either not done right or it feels just pushed upon. When I see yes. kind of stuff like it's like it's like and I don't fully it's like I'm I identify as homosexual. I've never like mm-hmm. I won't I've never been with a man, but I'm not gonna say like. I'm like completely off the that with that because who knows what will mm-hmm. happen now in 2023 at this point. <laughs> so, but I, when I see stuff with scenes like that in like movies or TV, yeah, it just feels like this doesn't this feels awkward or just feels mm-hmm. like it's being forced. Yeah, so. and 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 that's and that's how I feel about it too. And we wanted to make sure that we did it right. And essentially it came down to we we ended up doing it in terms of the characters that we want to see. And that's what we did. And yeah. yeah. I think the right way that because the way you did right was because you established that these two had known each other for so long. I think is yes. what made it feel more natural. They just oh yeah. they these two just arrived at the Academy one day and now they're in love. Yeah, and I think and I think that's what helped us out with uh going through it so quick. Um you should like I you should see the chats that uh uh, Will and I have had back and forth uh, as we were planning for this and developing the history between Kaito and Mio and how how Kaito is the type of guy who you need to smack over the head with a 2 by 4 for him to even maybe get a clue that somebody's hitting on them. <laughs> the joke was Mio was the one kind of like kind of quote-unquote secretly flirting and Kaito was just missing all the signs. Yes! That was it! That was it! It was every every sign just whoop! And it was just one of those things is where where Kaito just never really felt knew what really what love is or in terms of like a relationship type love. And so it wasn't until in that moment did he really learn oh this is what that is. This must be right. 
And because his grandmother always told him, you'll find it when you find it. It'll, it, it will happen at the most awkward. It might be an awkward time. It might be a, um, it might not be the best time, but that was the time. So, yeah, it was, per- it was also the perfect time just from the way that, because you guys jumped on instead of Mikey, like saying, okay, this is when it's going to happen. It was just made it so, so much so, better. So, so. So the funny thing is, Mikey didn't really tell us exactly when it was going to happen. He said he he gave us a hint to when it's going to happen. And we both read that hint wrong. <laughs> so that's what happened. <laughs> we, so, just, we just jumped the gun before we realized it. So he told me... When he did the when he when I did the interview with him, he told me he originally was playing it for like towards the end of yeah. like the game, and then and then yeah, you all just jumped headfirst into it and made it so much better than how he yeah. would have like planned it out. So oh, hey, I could you know go what? on it for worked. days. <laughs> oh yes, it's always good fun. <sighs> yeah, it's like and like I told Mikey. It's like I'm in no way when I say Furusato is the best. I'm taking any joy that the other shows have given me. All the other shows have been enjoyable in the ride, and this because the, their Knights of Pain Town campaign was how I discovered you all in the first place. Mm-hmm, Do, mm-hmm. That, that that's what sent me listening to that. And then I got sent down the rabbit hole of the Vibe Tribe podcast, listening to all the other ones as I described yeah. it. And just and Furusato mm-hmm. just happened to be that one that I loved the most out of anything. Uh, so. Yeah, it 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 was one of the. F- I I definitely enjoyed it just as much. It it, it was obviously I have my baby the academy, but uh, Furusato was one of the most fun games I've ever played. It it really was, honestly. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that next episode of the academy to drop. <laughs> ah, what was so? Here's the funny thing: we are so ahead of schedule with the academy, like. The episode we just recorded last week isn't going to come out until November. Oh, geez. You're going to make me wait that we, long. <laughs> yeah, we, we, are, we, we are very much ahead of, or something like that. We are very much ahead of schedule just because we've been the most consistent with recording and Mikey's able to cut it up so much. So uh, I, I, just out of curiosity, what was the last episode you listened uh, the latest, it's the latest one that's on here, episode 22, that was released on February 7th, so it's actually not been, hasn't been, hasn't been that long since the last one. I thought it was yeah. like a month had gone by since, like, oh, no. for some reason. They like, come out oh. every two weeks. <laughs> okay, so I'm just stupid then for misreading that. <laughs> nah. But, uh, yeah, no, they come out every two weeks, but, um, but it's like, uh, we still have enough to really draw it out for a while. Yeah. That's what I uh let me see here. I'm curious to what episode this one was. Episode twenty two was called When It Rains in Portland it Portlands, which is the one I think I messaged with you and Mikey about the cheesiness of the title name. Oh yeah, which always does. <laughs> ah yep, yep, yep. You're in the middle of Portland. Uh because when Mike when I did the same interview with Mikey, he said that the Portland arc was kind of coming close to its end. So Yep, we we officially closed it last night. I mean last weekend. Oh, last oh, week. Nice. Wow. We officially closed <laughs> it. We're actually uh, going to do a quick break of a uh, fireside chat uh, just to recap the past two, the first two chapters. And then we're going to be getting back into things 
uh, here soon. Um, and where I might take them next. <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like the worst place. Like, I'm trying to think of how in this world, like the Mexican drug cartels would be like. Because I oh, imagine God. just the craziness that would ensue from trying to find a high, a drug cartel in that type of world would be just astronomically hysterical and ridiculous. Yeah, I I'm not thinking about that right now. <laughs> I don't know if I w- actually I should say I actually did uh introduce uh drugs into the world. I should be quiet so I don't give you ideas to actually mess up the characters. I'm like, I'm sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It was just really really funny because it was like uh we really did um end up having uh what's it called uh well you'll see when the episode comes out and you'll see what what i mean and it's a bit it's a it's quite a funny scene too <laughs> uh, so oh, i had another yep. no but it made me think of uh so another buddy of mine he has a world where no magic exists except for like mm-hmm. a handful of people, including like the leader of this world. But there's a uh, kind of contraband product out there called Moonshine Mana, and basically mm-hmm. it's like you drink this mana and it gives you like the powers of the leader. So that's oh. why. But it's like this illegal substance that's like red and like because ascending it's like steampunk with fairy tales, is how it's mm-hmm. kind of is like kind of like prohibition era type setting too. So. So that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. And, cool. Oh, I was trying to think. That just oh, I heard of that earlier, and I just lost it at the top of my head now because you were. Oh, you were talking about D and D. I had this thought early. So I'm an absolute fan of Warforged characters when it comes to D and D. Like some of my favorite D and D characters, well, from podcasts are Warforged characters. And you were talking when you were talking about like at the beginning about like having to adjust things, like. I've actually brought this up with a couple people. Like, should Warforged characters be like more uh, defense? Should be like they be like less easy to attack than like normal enemies because like they shouldn't mm-hmm. be able to take like piercing or slashing damage. In my opinion, if they have an entirely metal body, yeah. True, Unless true, you true. have like a magic sword or something, yeah. So and then <laughs> like some of the attacks, like I can understand like acid, fire, ice. I can understand like those affecting it. I would say the lightning should just supercharge it at that point. If you are trying to attack a Warforge with lightning, that should supercharge it. Mm-hmm. But oh yeah, what, what do I know? I've never ran D and D, and I have yet to myself. So <laughs> just, yeah. I'm just thinking logically from a stand, I just think from a logical standpoint, like if he's a robot, he should not be as easy to hit with a sword as any other people are usually. But that's just me when I think about it. So yeah, that's that, that's <laughs> the interesting thing and in how that on how those work. So. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Any questions you want to ask me or anything? Uh, no. I I think I I, I don't think I have any other questions. Uh, other than uh, other than what we talked about. But thank you so much for having me. This is always fun. I love talking about these projects. I love the vibe tribe and seeing where it's going. Um, I know a bunch of us are talking behind the scenes about where we're gonna go to next. Um with our video podcasts or streaming or patreon or what what we're going to be doing next we're taking it step by step little by little um 
which also means I have to get back to creating our website. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm really excited to see where the things go, and we're really happy that uh, you're excited. Maybe I could get you on to one of the games as a, a as a guest. I might be looking for guests for Crystal City or even for the Academy. So, well, definitely we'll have to keep it, have talks about that. I've just I mm. have only like a select few days I'm able to easily do anything. Mm. But so if, oh, yeah, if yeah, we can yeah, make yeah. it work, we make it work. If not, there's always another day. So oh yes, of course. Uh-huh. So actually, this makes me speak. So besides uh, the continuation of the academy and the starting of a uh, crystal, cri- was it Crystal City? Yeah. Uh, what else will you be doing for season two? Um, I am playing in three different games. Um, I'll be playing in uh, a Walk Among Gods, uh, which is the one that uh, Mini Moss is running. Um, I am playing in Tavern Tales. Uh, which is a D and D one that uh, Mikey's running, and I'm also in uh, Brave New Wilds. All right, and uh, which one? What system is the one? Is the one Mini Moss is running? What system uh, is that using? Fifth edition. Fifth edition, and then Tavern Tales is kind of D and D. Mikey talked a lot about that. Yeah. Where y'all are just going to be trying to figure out how to run a tavern and pay rent. Yep, yep, yeah. Like, I joke that there's going to be people walking in there going, "The rent is too damn high." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and do you play pokemon i've not it's been a long time but i have before yes uh, i was gonna say if you played the recent one i've modeled one of my character my character for tavern tales off of one of the new pokemon from the newest game all right and what was the last game again that you said uh brave new wild which is uh junior braves of the apocalypse oh uh, yeah is that what kind of system what kind of system does that use uh it's the kids on bike system Ah, I'm not as familiar with that one. I've just heard about it in passing, so I'll have to make sure to check that one out. So yeah, one of my there was a one of my first set of podcasts was I did a City Miss Roundtable with two other City of Miss podcast MCs, and part mm-hmm. of the talk was just talking about uh, just TTRPGs in general. And there we were talking about those all these different TTRPGs we've done, like Monster of the Week, Call Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. One shared one is called Signs, which is based around I think it's like a Brazilian. It, it's like a there was like this group colony in Brazil where they made mm-hmm. their own sign language. Ah, and so yes, the yes, game yes. is based around that. And so you're like talking like with like cards and like sign language type stuff. So that was yeah. a really interesting one to learn. I found it. And then we talked a little bit about world building in general. And there actually is a, there is some uh, TTRPG systems that actually help with like the, Oh, you can roll these dice and make a world around that, make a city place or thing around this. Yep. So, and I've been planning to use those because I got a few I'm planning too. <clears throat> so, because another one I'm working on, it's a homebrew city of mist that I'm going to have taking place during World War II. Mm-hmm. And all the characters are going to be like gatekeepers going over to take down the Nazis. Oh, nice. And, and we're going to be introducing like Nazis with like mythos powers and all that. So, that'll be interesting. So, I've been trying to figure out like, okay, who are these big baddies going to be? So I'm still working on that kind of deal. So, but but I literally, I'm kind of spoiler alert for when I do this. I'm half tempted to just start it off with, oh, they're in a boat, they're going towards a ship, and then it's like, oh, it's D Day, just throw them right into the thick of it. Yep. <laughs> so because, well, I don't know how it's going to work. I'm still in the works, but that's kind of the idea I have, and I got a bunch of other ideas too for just games I want to run and all that. So. Again, my creativity knows no bounds. Yes, none of so, which is all good. Gotta love it. All right. So, you want to shout out your socials and give any plugs? 
Sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you can catch me on Vibe, obviously, on Vibe Tribe Productions, on various different games. Uh, if you want to chat with me on socials, I am pretty much on any app as Pupriku or Puppyriku. Um, and so, yeah, feel free to give me a follow. I tweet about random randomness. <laughs> um, and uh, that's about it for me when it comes to the socials. That's all I really do. All right, and of course you can follow me, Hunter the MC, on the Mysteries Unknown podcast on Instagram under Mist Unk Podcast M I S T U N K Podcast. You can always email me if you want to talk at mistunkpodcast at gmail and you can find both Mysteries Unknown and the various Five Tribe podcast shows on the majority of the podcasting platforms. I use Spotify; they're all on there. There's also Apple, Amazon, Google Podcasts. Basically, if you have a podcast platform you like, just type it in and see if it's there. If not, go download another one. So, because there's a hundred of them out there. So, there's too many of them. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I'm glad we got to do this, Chris. This was really Me too. fun. I had a really good time. Anytime. I, I'm I'm always up to chat about ran- random D and D uh, and other TTRPGs. Yeah, I was like, I was almost, I, I got the idea of maybe we have to do like a Furusato roundtable show, Ooh, possibly. I Just mean, get, it, get you all on here if possible, so yeah, we'll have to see. <laughs> with it being your favorite show, why not? I, I, I'm sure everyone, if we could get everybody together, we could definitely get that going. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, th- once again, this is Behind the Mist. Thank you again, Chris. Thank you.